I think a lot of people forget in the Army, just put your head down and work um, because people are going to see the real work you're doing. You don't have to talk about it. Just, do, just be about it, man. So put your head down, do the work, and the rewards will come. Right? And, and so I, I just encourage everyone to try to get some perspective, to try to think about things. Things aren't forever. Things will improve. And that greener grass there isn't always as green as you think it is, man, right? I think they care about seeing you put out effort, right? And at the end of the day, if you put out effort, they don't care, man. And, and people forget that. Like, people are so embarrassed of, oh, my run's going to suck. No, nobody cares what your time is. They just want to see you out there putting work in, man. But I should be in the top ten. Give me a list of names. I'm a top them. I'm just playing with you. I don't care what the top is. Leave me at the bottom. Let me work for it. You ain't never gonna find another rebel in the game and tell me that he works more. Tell me that he works more. Nah. You might see me with my hoodie up. I ain't leaving till I finish. This industry ain't nothing but a box. But I ain't gonna climb in it. You put me inside a room full of rappers. Come back in five minutes. I'ma be the only one still alive with a note on my chest saying that I did it. You do it for fame, we're way different. Y'all looking weak, we ain't cooking in the same kitchen. Everybody got a shirt with a stain in it. Some of us are never wearing it out though. Let me get it. I guess I don't understand. This wasn't part of my plan. Some of these people are thinking cause they heard the name that they really know who I am. Bring the beat down. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode. This is the World's Greatest Leaders Podcast. It's your host, JP, and I really appreciate you guys coming and spending some time with us again. I really appreciate everybody that's been sending feedback and trying to help us improve the channel, but please keep doing that. Uh, you can either go on, on the Instagram page and drop a comment. You can go on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and, and put it in the, in the review or feedback session or whatever it's called. And just give us some feedback. It's all appreciated. And I and I, I truly take those to heart because I, I'm here for you guys. And if you guys aren't happy with, with what's going on, if you guys think we've got ideas to improve it, I'm, I'm always willing to take some of that. <clears throat> with that being said, go on Instagram. Pull up your Instagram. Pull up your phone right now. Go on Instagram and we'll go on the search bar and type in at WGL podcast. Follow the page, like the pictures. Um, I mean, it's not hard. Just, uh, just help me, help me support the channel. Help me, uh, just grow, um, and make this podcast bigger than it is. Um, also, share with your friends. Say, hey, have you listened to the World's Greatest Little Podcast? It's a great podcast. Blah, 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 you know, all that fun stuff. Uh, or just share it on your Instagram page or Facebook or whatever. I mean, just, 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 uh, just try to help me out a little bit. But without further ado, I have an awesome guest right now. He is a phenomenal leader and probably one of the most charismatic leaders I've seen. I've certainly learned a lot to this guy. And um, I, I, you guys will, will understand why I think this guy is such a phenomenal leader by the end of this episode. I, I have no words that are enough to... <clears throat> to introduce this guy i'm just letting him speak for himself but 
just understand that this guy has is, has a lot of experience under his belt and a, a, a lot of good uh, leadership um, focused stuff. So just stay tuned. Uh, grab a coffee. Grab a soda. Don't, don't drink soda. Sodas are bad for you. But grab a water or whatever, and just stay tuned and 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 hang out with us. It, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a great experience. So without further ado, here's our major Keely. All right, Sergeant Major, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about yourself, brother? I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. I really appreciate you you taking some time and coming on the show, and just just share some knowledge to all of these awesome listeners. Right, all they're all hungry to learn, right? Yeah, hey, happy to be here, man. So uh, try to give back when I can. Absolutely, uh, Sergeant Major Keely. We we uh, he he was my uh, Ops Sergeant Major for a while, and then he was our uh, Acting Command Sergeant Major for a while too. And now he he's over here at the seven ATC uh, Ops Sergeant Major spot. So uh, you want just just a, a little brief. Uh, little bit about you and tell the audience about who I'm talking with so they can get to know you a little bit. Yeah, man, I'd love to. Um, so name's uh, Sergeant Major Herbert Keeley. I've uh, been this Army for about 18 and a half years now. Um, a 19 Delta by by trade, a 19 Zulu now. Uh, man, I've been stationed pretty much the East Coast, West Coast, man, uh, then Hawaii. Uh, loving this little spot here in Germany right now. Um, I've... Uh, been down range three times to Iraq. Never had the opportunity to go to Afghanistan, so I feel like part of me is missing out, man. Uh, and served either in uh, both an airborne assignments or a striker, man. So uh, never done the heavy background, um, but just you know, love to get after it every day, man. So, so I, I keep saying this every episode. This is this is a, a show just for for hard hitters, and and everybody that comes in the show has been a hard hitter, and Sergeant Major Kelly is definitely one of those guys. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and, and hit the hit the gun it portion. See how that goes. Um, I'm gonna gonna send you some send us some situational questions and kind of just see if you're ready for the rest of the the the, the interview. It's kind of like a warm up. Uh, you think about it just like a board or something maybe. All right, let's do it, man. All right. Uh, what's your biggest pet peeve? My biggest pet peeve is not telling the truth, man. Um, it talks. If you don't have the ability to tell the truth, no matter what situation you're in, I, I can't trust you for anything else, man. What was the last thing that you did in public and you were glad that nobody saw? Oh, man, it's probably early at the PX, man. I put my hands in my pocket, man. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, in, I'm in PTs right now. So, I mean, you know, just, as leaders, supposed to enforce the standard, but I, I also am a human too, man. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, I get that. Oh no, I'm a big person. I have a big pet peeve with not being able to put our hands in our pockets. But <laughs> I mean, they are warm, right? You know what yeah. I mean. So I get it. Yeah. If you had to pick one person to get stuck in a room for with twenty, a room for twenty four hours, who would you pick and why? It can't be your family. It cannot be my family. Okay, I got you, man. No, it. it um, you know, if we're just talking military friends, man, or Any, just anybody. Anybody, man. You, someone, uh, past leadership, past peer. Brothers, no, not brother, cause family, but friends, whoever. No, but I'm gonna go off script, man. I'm gonna say first arm Max Pumphrey. Oh, dude. So yeah. he makes me laugh nonstop, and those big old horse teeth of his when he smiles, man, is hilarious. Yeah, he he is awesome. And yeah. we pretty much were in the you know in a tent there in Saber Junction for 24 hours straight, man. Yeah. And it was just, and if I was out there, we'd Facetime each other. So it's nonstop fun, man. First arm Pumphrey he is. He is. Uh, I say. Everybody that comes on the show, they know him, and they just know how much of an awesome person he is. He still sucks at running, though. 
I hope you listen to this. Are you a superhero or a villain guy? And depending on which one you are, who is your favorite superhero or villain? Superhero villain, man. So it's it's got to be a superhero for me. Personally, man, Iron Man, dude. Iron Man. And the reason I say Iron Man is it's not about his superhero ability, but his ability. Dude's a multi-billionaire. Like, yeah. there isn't... No one told Tony Stark no, man. And it's not necessarily the superhero aspect of wearing a body armor that I want, but have the assets to do whatever you want. How much good you could do with your money, man. What an amazing opportunity he had. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of a villain guy. I, I'm a big fan of, of the Joker. Uh, that's, 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 that's cliche, though. Everyone wants to be the Joker, man. You know what I mean? No, I, I don't care. I've been a fan of the Joker since I was like two. All right, that's what's <laughs> up, man. Uh, what w- What's your greatest failure in life? My greatest failure in life, man. So I would say my oldest son, Jimmy, is 20 years old, man. And there was a time in my career when it was all about the Army. It was jump master school, come back from a week, go to Pathfinder school, come back, go to the field, chasing schools, chasing deployments, chasing what the Army wanted to do. And uh, he's 20 now. He's out of the house, um, lives back in Texas. And I, I missed out on having a relationship with him that could be more healthy and be better today because I put the Army first. And that's probably my biggest failure, I think, in life. So, so what would you say is your, your biggest success? Um, I, I don't think I'm defined by one success, but I, I think that um, my success is I've, I've got three other children who I have spent way more time with, focused more on family than I am. Uh, my oldest, I didn't do so well with, I think. And uh, I think watching them develop from little people into eventually here soon to be, uh, you know, preteens, man, will be, be successful. It's rewarding, man. Yeah. What was the snack and drink that you always have to bring to the field? Oh, man. So everyone already, anyone who knows me knows it's some kind of gummy bears, gummy savers. The gummies are. It's the gummies, right. dude. Um, yeah. And then I don't ever bring drinks to the field, man. I, I need coffee, right? So I, yeah. I'm going to pack coffee and whatever to-go box we got. But as long as there's coffee and gummies, I'm set, man. Do you have your own jet bull that you make your coffee out there? or? I'm a mooch, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good to know. I'm never going to make coffee when you're around. I'm just playing. If you had the power, what regulation would you add? Or change? Uh, AR 600-9, man. Uh, Army Body Composition Program. Oh, my. I think as a force, uh, we get so construed about numbers. And the physical appearance, I think, is, is part of the part of the function of the Army. Hey, we, we had to look the part right for recruiting. That's why the Marine Corps does so well. I think if we were to raise our standard for APFT and make it, hey, you have to at least make a 220 or 230 in the current version, right? We wouldn't have to worry about making height and weight. Because performance, right, at the end of the day, if you're able to perform at an APFT or ACFT, I don't care how much your height and weight is. I don't care what that is. I care about performance. So I would change uh, 600-9. I would definitely relook at the body composition program and figure out, hey, do I care about the size of the waist and the size of their neck, or do I care that they're able to do the sprint drag carry? Are they able to do a two-mile run? And are they more, you know, able to perform in a combat situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I'm a hundred percent with you on that. I will probably change being able to put your hands in pockets, <laughs> but I'm hundred percent with you. I, you see it all the time. You, you see soldiers walk around and their their OCPs are tight on their body. They're, well, it's not just soldiers; it's leaders, right? Yes. So, so one of the problems you see in the older older crowd. Um, 
you forget where you come from or you think things don't apply to you, right? Yeah. And so it's like every day of PT is an opportunity for me to go to battle with myself, man. And, and so go ham. I, you go ham, right? And and I don't think soldiers nowadays care that I can run faster. Even though I run faster than most of them and pump for either one of them. Um, yeah. I, I, I think they care about seeing you put out effort, right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you put out effort, they don't care, man. And, and people forget that. Like, people are so embarrassed of, oh, my run's going to suck. No, nobody cares what your time is. They just want to see you out there putting work in, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 100% on that. Uh, if all jobs pay the same, what would you work with? Um, I would love to be a CrossFit coach, man. <laughs> um, I love talking about movement efficiency. I love talking about fitness. My passion, man. I, I love just being in the gym. Just are you master fitness qualified? I am master fitness qualified. CrossFit level two qualified. Uh, a couple of specialty certs through CrossFit. So that's I, awesome. Yeah, it, it's unfortunately they don't all pay the same, right? So yeah. it's not dreams and uh, reality. I think don't always mesh up, man. Yeah. Um, if you could call yourself five years in the future and ask any question, what would that question be? Will my relationship with my oldest son improve? Hmm. Yeah, that's important. <clears throat> if you could possess someone's body for a whole day, what would you do? Whose body would it be and why? Man, come on now. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, man. <laughs> oh, the Rock. dude. I mean, so not from just, dude, it's a, a, a pimp, man, right? But he sleeps for like three and a half, four hours every single day. And I truly want to know, is my man just running on pure caffeine inside, or is he just not need sleep? Like, if you always watch him, he's traveling to some businessman, he's yep. doing something, and he's in the gym grinding like a 4.30 in the morning. If I don't get five, six hours, I get crabby, man. Oh, yeah. Right? And so I would love just to be in his body. And they say there's rare people who just don't need that much sleep. I just want to know, is it true? Is it him? Man? Yeah. He, he, is, he is in the version of an animal, and he just goes... He just gets it. If you were president and you had the power to pass one thing in Congress with a guaranteed approval, what would that be? Oh, man. If I was the president, man, I, w I would overhaul immigration, man. Um, and the reason I say that is there are several people in the United States who are doing the right thing, trying to become United States citizens. They're trying to assimilate. They're trying to give back to our community. And you hear about him, like, well, you know, I got a buddy who got married to a local national and it's taken him 18 months for her to become a citizen, mm -hmm. right? Like, why are we having these hurdles for these people trying to do the right thing, man? And I would love just to streamline. If you want to become part of our nation, you want to be a value added, hey, man, it should be an easier step than a long, drawn-out process. Okay. Um, if you were in an airport and an airline gave you a ticket to go anywhere in the world that you want, you can't go home and pack your bags. You just got to go with whatever you have right there. It can't be back home, and you can't go back and pick anybody up. You just got to go. Where would you go? I'll go to Australia, man. You're like the third person that says that on the spot. Well, I mean, you, know, you got to realize we're stationed in Germany, right? Yeah. So, like, everywhere we can get here is it's kind of easy, man, right? Yeah. And, and I don't want to go back to America. I'm already going to Hawaii in November, right? So let's let's go down under, man. Let's, just, let's see what it's all about. Yeah. I, I I really want to go to that to that side of the of the world too. Um, Captain Williams is over in Hawaii right now. Yeah, he's doing the uh, the ACRC gig, man. Yeah. So active component, reserve component. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, so the last question on the gunnet. What's the best piece of advice that you can give someone? So the best piece of advice, I mean, it's a, it's a loaded question, right? Because everyone needs different advice at different times of their life. Um, I think a lot of people forget in the Army, just put your head down to work um, because people are going to see the real work you're doing. You don't have to talk about it. Just, do, just be about it, man. So put your head down, do the work, and the rewards will come. That's what I'm talking about. And that finished off the, the, the gun it. I'm gonna have to check, but I think this is the shortest one. If anybody if anybody doesn't doesn't know that it used to be called the Mad Minute, but it would never last a minute. So I changed the name and we have the shortest one. And again, I'm gonna give some crap to to go first on Pumphrey and he has the longest one for I think it's like twenty four minutes. <laughs> we know he loves to talk. All right, uh all right, sorry, Major if you want you want to go a little bit more in depth and, and just tell the audience about yourself, uh, about your army career, achievements, and, and all that stuff. Yeah, man, that's too easy, man. So I, I came in. So I was in OSA when nine eleven happened, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so I joined pre nine eleven. Oh, you were, you were in like training while it happened. Uh, I was in buddy aid class, man. I remember clear as day, man. The drill sergeants paused us, brought us all into the inside classroom. They came and said privates were going to war. And, you know, I'm from That's Texas, crazy. so I'm, I'm ignorant, right? They said the Twin Towers were attacked, and I'm like, what are the Twin Towers? I, I, <laughs> I, I had no idea, man. Like, you know, it's, you know, a 17-year-old kid from Texas, and, uh, you know, that changed everything I thought about the rest of my life, man. You know, mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, I joined for college money. I, I really did, because, you know, we weren't at a time of war. The biggest thing popping was Kosovo and Kosovo. I mean, I think Kosovo and some some Kuwait rotations, man. That's about yeah. it. So, uh, you know, that... I, but I joined on a uh, airborne contract, man, and um, needs the army. Uh, they offered me six thousand bucks. I'm like, hey, I'll take it. Let's do it. <laughs> um, uh, I got my assignment to Fort Polk, Louisiana, and I was like, where and what is there, man? <laughs> and so I got Nothing. to the I got to uh, Delta Troop First Five and Ninth, man. And when I came in, there was only two troops of airborne Cav Scouts in the army, man. And oh, uh, snap. so it was Alpha One Seventeen at Fort Bragg. Uh, it's Alpha Troop One Seventeen, part of the. Uh, the air air aviation regiment man mm-hmm. and then it was uh d troop first five and ninth man so it the jump masters like they all knew each other man you either were at bragg you were at polk or you're a korean you just did a rotation through three there was no 425 there was no part of 173rd during that time and it was like you know it's it like the holy grail man and i was like oh man this is this is something special man um and so that really made me want to stay airborne for a hot minute, man. So, you know, I left, I deployed with them, uh, 04 to 05, uh, part of 509. So we augmented uh, 210 out of Drum Man. And my brigade commander was uh, Colonel Mark Milley. You might know him as the uh, Joint Chief of Staff. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, man. So uh, he's my brigade commander. Um, and then I got back, and, you know, I had a platoon sergeant named Sergeant First Class Brian Hester. Uh, he's now Command Sergeant Major Brian Hester, and he's the uh, Army Central CSM three star billet. And this dude was a paratrooper, man. Like, like when you think paratrooper, I mean, you just look at this guy, man. And I re-enlisted to go to the 82nd because I wanted to be like him, man. <laughs> um, so I went to the 82nd, 573, uh, right when we stood up from 3503. Um, went down range for them for about just two days short of 16 months, man. And while I was down range, Branch like, hey, we're sending you back to Fort Polk. I'm like, oh, you're killing me, man. So... <laughs> Went back to Polk with a platoon sergeant. Uh, there a couple more years, man. And then um, the branch like, hey, we're going to send you back to Bragg. I'm like, stop the madness. <laughs> I'm tired of all this. I, I'm, I'm like, you're, you're going to send me the two same units. I've been almost 10 years. I'm a staff sergeant promotable this time. And uh, 
Brandon's like, well, hey, I got Fort Bliss. I'm like, no. They're like, I got Fort Riley. I'm like, no, man. <laughs> what do you got? And he's like, well, I got Strikers and Skull for Barracks Hawaii. I'm like, yo, why didn't you say it in the first place, right? <laughs> And, and, and so, you know, it's funny how Branch always holds that best assignment in their back yeah. pocket, right? I uh, got there in uh, 2010, man, um, and then I deployed five months later to Iraq for another 12 months, man, and uh, on Strikers this time. And then I stayed in Strikers for a while until I got back here to 191, man. So, you know, I, I did three years in Hawaii. I uh, went to a neat little place called Fort Dix, New Jersey. Um, so I did ACRC there. That's where, of, uh, that's where uh, Captain Gatlin is right now. Yep. So yeah. Yeah, Gatlin stayed there. And, um one of the best assignments of my career, man. Um, it's called the Garden State. I just thought it was a big one, Jersey Shore, but it's not. It's a beautiful place. It's cool, man. Um, from there, I went to JBLM. I was on uh, Strikers there. I had the anti-tank uh, companies of First Art, and I had HHT. And then I had uh, the headquarters support company for Division also. So I had the General and the First Art. I was, I was their First Art. Mm-hmm. Made the Sarmator Academy, went down to Bliss for a year. I love Bliss. El Paso, can't recommend enough, man. I just love the food, dude. Oh, I, you, Mexican food. You want my sweet spot? Give me Mexican food, man. <laughs> Good. Uh, then out of there, I interviewed with Sarmator Abernathy, the uh, USRA CSM, for uh, for 191. I was picked, came up here. And then just, you know, recently, about a month ago, I got pulled up to 7th Army Training Command to be the G3 Operations Sarmator, man. So... That's from uh, from private to Sergeant Major. That's where I am. And then come November 20th, I'm PCSing back to uh, Oahu. I'll be taking uh, 214 CAV, Scofield Barracks, uh, be the CSM, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm jealous. I, I wanted to go to Hawaii so bad. Hey, somebody's got to do it, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- that's awesome. That's that's a pretty it's a pretty dope career. I mean, I, I, I'm just still thinking about you being in training, not knowing nothing about the Army yet, and they're like, hey, we're going to war, and we're like, damn, that's crazy. Um, so, so uh, I did some before I got here. I did some research on you. All right, let's hear it, and, man. What's and you got? I found so how 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 it is to be part of the um of uh, the Audie Murphy Club, and how how did that work, and how does that go on you? So so I got to Fort Dix as our first class, and um, my battalion command sergeant major commander and sergeant major Christopher Johnson. Um, was a huge uh, Sergeant Morales club member. And so Morales is the same thing, but it's the O'Connor's version, mm-hmm. right? And so stateside, it's Audie Murphy. And he was the just the biggest hands-down advocate of it. He's like, look, I'm not making you. I can't make you. But just come to this volunteer event this Saturday, and let's see see how you feel about it. Uh, I went to a volunteer event. We um, went to the canned food place in New Jersey, and we just packed canned food, man. And I was like, oh, this this." People just giving back to the community, right? Mm-hmm. And then the club went down, and they went down to Arlington on um, Memorial Day, man. And it was so amazing to see the club went there. They went to his funeral site, man. I was like, I, I got to be part of this. This is this is kind of something bigger than just any installation, right? Um, and so he put me through the gauntlet, man. It was memorizing, studying, and then all situational-based questions, man. And um, eventually I went through the uh, brigade board, the division board, and uh, was inducted to the Otto Murphy Club, man. So That's yeah. pretty dope. Um, the sad thing is is I'm not involved with it now as I should be, man. Um, it's kind of hard for me all the way over here. And well, so Morales is here, though, right? So yeah. I could be giving back to the Morales Club just like Morales members can give back to the Odd Murphy Club back stateside, right? Could you be part of the both? So you can be honorary inducted, right? So it, 
you wouldn't go through the full process like you would for uh, Morales, but you still have to contribute to the club to be a part of the club. You don't get it just for showing up, man. Mm -hmm. and, and the sad thing is, is, you know, I fall into this too. A lot of times we're only as good as our last gunfight, right? So I went hard in the paint there, and I was involved as a first start. Went to the academy. It took some time for me and the family. Then I got here, been hit the ground running. It's no excuse, but, I mean, I have not been involved with the club here and mentoring people like I should, man. Mm -hmm. So um, it's one thing. Maybe I can, while I'm up here, um, I already sat in one board as a board president. Or not board president, but a board member with uh, the Vision CSM. So hopefully I can be involved in other aspects also. That's pretty cool. Uh, w w what is the most rewarding part about being a star major and having such a big impact on a very large amount of people? Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, there's a couple of things that I, I think th I'm going to say three things, right? One is your ability to mentor officers, man, right? You know, as a day, day one, you're a sergeant, you're entrusted to mentor young soldiers and, you know, be accountable for your team or your squad, whatever it is, man. Um, but it's really when you become a platoon sergeant, you're mentoring that platoon leader, right? You're a first sergeant, you're mentoring that troop or company commander. But as a sergeant major, man, like, Every officer from every shop, every organization is coming to you asking you for advice. Mm -hmm. And you really think about it, man. When you're mentoring a young troop commander or you're mentoring a young platoon leader, that young platoon leader is going to be one day be a troop commander. That troop commander one day will be a field grade officer, a potential battalion commander, right? Mm -hmm. So if you show them what right looks like, you give them good, solid advice, um, it's going to pay back to the NCO Corps, right? You know, I can't begin to speak of how many times I've had an NCO who's not hasn't done right by his counterpart, right? By his officer. And it always hurts the NCO core later in the game, man. For that platoon sergeant who doesn't mentor that platoon leader, when that platoon leader now becomes a troop commander, two things. He's going to either A, trust his NCOs or not trust his NCOs, yeah. right? And so if we don't do right to the NCO core when they're young in the game, it's going to hurt future NCOs and our ability to lead, train, and mentor, man. So that's number one of the, one of the coolest things that have been started, is your ability to influence the officer population because... Uh, it's a very strong population who can get set in their ways, right? So if you can mold them early, you'll get benefits down um, down the timeline, man. I think the second thing about being a sergeant major is um, I had the, you know, when I was in 191, I wasn't just confined into Anvil or confined into Bulldog or confined into Comanche. Like, you're expected to look around the battlefield, go where the squadron commander or battalion commander needs you, and that's the point of friction you go attack, man. You're not just you're not this one lane. It's every lane is your concern, man. Training, readiness, soldier morale, welfare. And uh, it's one of those things, man. You know, maybe not a master of none, but a jack of all trades. And I think that's one of the coolest things of being a Sergeant Major, man. Yeah. And I think the third thing about being a Sergeant Major is when you go to the Sergeant Major Academy, you get taught a lot of wonderful things. You get great opportunities. But the networking that you make at the Sergeant Major Academy is what has paid dividends since I've been here. The ability to say, hey, we don't have this. I can call someone, another brigade, another division down at K-Town to, hey, brother, I'm looking for this. Do you have this resource? Do you have this product? Can you shoot my way? And because we're, because we're friends, we spend a year in the Sergeant Major Academy together, it's an instant network, and he can just fire me, man. So it kind of, kind of a neat ability that you don't have until you go to the Sergeant Major Academy. Officers do it. They go to the Captain Career Course, and that's six months, man. Mm-hmm. ILE for majors is that year. You know what I mean? So they do it way earlier in the game before we ever do it. Yeah. Since you hit the, on the officer um, thing, uh, I want to I wanna 
I got a question about that. How do you think that officers can maximize the talents of the NCOs on their team? Either that's the NCOs in your platoon or the NCOs in your company or troop or and just keep on forward. Well, so I think part of the problem is a lot of times officers don't know the strengths and weaknesses they have in their formation, right? You know, you're not going to know what your counterpart or your NCOs are really good until you have an honest dialogue. So officers, you know, they got to talk to the NCOs. They got to have a personal relationship. Uh, once they know strengths and weaknesses, right, you, this NCO may not be good at public speaking. This NCO they may not be good at whatever. Those officers now need to hold them accountable and make them do those things to develop them even more. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of times you'll see people shy away from the things they don't not good at. And that's natural habit, right? It is now that officer's job now to put you in that position to make you develop those skills, right? And, and because of that, I think the formation, the friendship, and the partnership, that's what it really is, right? It's a partnership. Uh, it's going to grow tremendously, man. And, and by knowing that NCO more, you're going to have more loyalty, and you're going to know his, that, that commander, that, that officer's intent, and you're going to execute it violently, man. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so... Like you said, there's a lot of good things that that um, comes with being a sergeant major. But what is a challenge that you face as a sergeant major, being a leader? That m- most of the things that you do in the organization will impact most likely the, the the whole the rest of the organization. Like, what are the challenges on being a sergeant major? So, the day I was I put my star on man at the sergeant major academy. So mind you, at Fort Bliss. There's 622 in my class, 622 people graduating become sergeant majors, right? And then there's all the master sergeants on Fort Bliss because there's a bunch. There's first AD there. There's other units there. You're just another master sergeant. Nobody gives two dams about a master sergeant at Fort Bliss. Nobody gives a <laughs> shit, man. They care about first sergeants because first sergeants are doing the Lord's work, right? Yeah. They You go to the gate, oh, how you doing first sergeant? Oh, how you doing sergeant? They don't give, they don't give a crap about you. The day I was frocked to Sergeant Major, because I'm not getting paid for it, right? You say that's when you wear the rank because you've met the requirements. Everything changes. People call Addies for you when you walk into a building. People call Addies for you when you walk into the DFAC. People start going to pray to rest when they see your rank. They start stuttering. Everything changes the moment you go from Master Sergeant into Sergeant Major. And I think the hard thing is, and this happens to all ranks, I think, on the officer side and list side, but one of the hardest things is staying humble, man. Right? Someone calling Addies for you and walk into a building. That's empowering, man. And some people get intoxicated by it. And so you have to have a good look in the mirror of like, how do I want to be value-added? And how do I stay humble every day? Luckily, my wife tells me every day I'm not shit, right? <laughs> so, so she keeps me down, right? But it, 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 I understand why senior leaders get in trouble, man. They, everyone, and I call HRC to get someone an assignment. When I call HRC, nobody ever tells me to call back later. That's like, hey, how you doing, Sergeant Major? And they're always willing to help. That shit never happened before, man. Right? And, and so the hardest thing about being a Sergeant Major is staying humble. At the end of the day, it's staying humble and knowing you're doing it for the soldiers, right? As long as you remember that, you're not going to have a problem with their zipper. You're not going to have a problem with the credit card. And you're, you can treat soldiers with dignity and respect, man. Mm-hmm. But if you're not staying humble, you're going to get used to it, man. I mean, think about this for a minute. The Sergeant Major of the Army, right? Still an NCO. Still a Sergeant Major, right? Yep. He is entitled to Lieutenant General perks and privileges, man. He has an 
SGM, a Sergeant Major, who is his aide. He's got his own SGM who's his, his own aide. Sergeant Major. Yeah. <laughs> Think mind-blowing. He's got yeah. a whole plethora of other people who work in his office, too. He's got his own flag, man. This goes for all Sergeant Majors, man, at every level, you know what I mean? I mean, think about it, you know, how can it not be intoxicating, right? I'm sure that's why presidents get used to it and, you know, people kind of get dismissive. you got to realize you got to stay humble, man. It's hard, I think. Yeah, it, it, and you'll see it on the day-to-day. Not just Sergeant Major, you see it, it's a brand-new sergeant. He just picked up his stripes and just I don't, he just, he just thinks that he has he's a, the biggest he's the biggest man in the world, and it, it's, it's very common. So I, I did the same exact thing when I was a sergeant, man. I had my shit was brand new. The, the ink hadn't dried on my uniform yet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I locked up a specialist. Him and I were specialists because I was just fucking mad, man. I was like, looking back, I'm like, man, what an immature ass move, man. You know what I mean? But the power you have, right, increases exponentially as a sergeant major, man. Mind you, right? In most places, there's four to five first sergeants, and there's one or two sergeant majors, right? Mm-hmm. You know that 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 pyramid really. Goes in sharp at the top, man. Yeah. Um, what What is your opinion on how the army is changing their ways to promote and develop their soldiers? They're, they're, it's it's different. I mean, if if you in the army you, and you've been to some any kind of NCOES school, you understand that it's it's a whole different way. And you're like, sometimes you're like, what am I doing here? Hands down, put this on record. I love it. I absolutely love how they're changing promotions. And I love how they're changing the education system, man. Mm-hmm. I have not taken, put me a record again, I have not taken a single non-commissioned officer education school serious. <laughs> not one. PODC, nope. I what went is, to... What is that? Uh, that's, 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 oh, that's, that's OBLC? Yeah, come oh, on, man. It's, that's an age crack. So, um, you know, it's primary leadership development course, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's the old BLC. Um, you had BNOC, which is now ALC. And then, you know, I, I went to Maneuver SLC. Uh, I went there to get a break from my unit and take, you know, just have some me time, man. Um, I have mixed opinions of why I don't feel like they were good. Also, same with the Sergeant Major Academy. Um, but it was not my job to walk out there as a commandant's list or a um, an honor grad. And I think some of the reason is, you know, you're getting taught that's not applicable, right? Oh, cool, I'm reading something in some obscure regulation or FM that has no meaning to me back in the line, right? And I understand that, you know, you have to have the institutional knowledge along with the self-development and along with the unit operational development to be a well-rounded NCO, but it, it was so outdated. Um, I think we're really changing with the times. The addition of Master Leaders course, I think is phenomenal. I wish I would have gone to it, man. Um, and, and one of the reasons is, you know, when I went to, you know, Maneuver SLC, it was in 2009. So that was my, as a staff sergeant promotable into school, and it was 10 years later that I went to the Sergeant Major Academy. That's a long time yeah. without going to education, right? Like, so now we got Master Leaders course, which is a good little segue, little intensive three weeks to, hey, this is focused at, not first sergeants, but master sergeants, because remember, you're not always wearing a diamond. Diamonds aren't forever. Yeah. Um, I wish they were. Ah, so man, it was one of the best ranks ever, man. That's another conversation, though. But, you know... It kind of re-glues you to some of the regulations, re-glues you to the FMs, man, that we I missed out. I mean, I went, I went to three duty stations before going back to NCOS, and, and, and so that's one of the great things about it. And the promotion system, man, I love it. So I am, I'm currently still promotable. I've mm-hmm. been on the academy since last year. Um, 
I was number 42 out of 42 in my single summer. That's my number. So I'm waiting. I'm the very last dude in this academy list. However, I'm the youngest 19 Zulu, time of service, time of grade, in the Sergeant Major Academy. Hmm. I've already been selected for CSL. I'm already up here in a brigade position, and I'm not getting paid Sergeant Major pay. But my peers, I'm not going to speak ill of them, but some of them are ready to hang their boots up. They're, they're just doing it so they can get the retirement, man. Yeah. And they're already collecting E9 pay. We should be awarded no matter what rank, whether it's sergeant, staff sergeant, sergeant first class, mass sergeant, reward hard work with the money. Don't – all they're doing is squeezing more work out of you, right? So I can't – I'm not retirement eligible until 36 months of time and grade. The okay. clock hasn't even started ticking with me yet because I haven't been paid yet, right? <laughs> Dude. So I, I graduated the academy last June, right? We're, we're now, what, March March 29th, right? They already – six summers for April around. I'm not going to promote in April either. So May or June, I'll have been promotable for a year before I possibly a pen E9. Mm-hmm. So now they're getting four years out of me versus three. I'm up in a brigade position, the CSL – same thing with the Army of the Army. When I retired daily, told the story that he was ranked number two out of his entire promotion list. But then they reshuffled for time of grade, time of service, and then he had one of the last promotion numbers. Damn. So the question is, is are you really... Are you, it's like going to a horse track, man, right? And you're betting on this horse, all right? Lucky stripe number four. That, that's, your, that's your dude, lucky stripe number four. Lucky stripe number four wins the race. And you're going to collect your cash, and all of a sudden they scramble all the names again, and they put the oldest horse up front, and he gets the payout, not you. Yeah. Why don't you get the payout? You put the work in. You won the race. Let's be rewarded for it. So I think promotions will reward those who are hard charging, staying relevant, not being, well, when I was a son of first class, I did this. Or when I was a staff son, I don't care what you did four years ago, buddy. What are you doing right now to stay relevant, yeah. right? And then the education system will tie into that, right? Because now if they're truly rewarding the hard pipe hitters, having common us will matter. Having honor grad will matter. Mm-hmm. Because rewarding those who are putting the extra effort in, man. Like tie it, make it make it functional. Hey man, I didn't do so well in the Sarmier Academy. I passed everything, no problem. But I wasn't common us. I wasn't honor grad. But I still got CSL. Right, yeah. so there's a disconnect somewhere. So we have to figure it out somewhere, man. There's, it's got, it's got to be lockstep. If we're saying hard work pays off, and if we're saying things like, "Hey, your your performance in these non commissioned officer education system schools are are, are gonna professional development schools are gonna pay off to you," then why aren't we seeing the tangible results of that? Yeah. So we have to overhaul the education system and make it feed into the promotion system. Right, because if I have Joe Snuffy who goes to BLC and is the honor grad, he, he should get promoted. Right away. Or if you send someone to ALC or SLC and they're a distinguished honor grad, they shouldn't be sitting around waiting. Or, or you send a high-speed staff sergeant, staff sergeant McCurran, if he's down at SLC right now, mm-hmm. and he's the honor grad, he shouldn't be waiting for 18 years to get promoted, man. We yeah. should be rewarding those high performers, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a big... I don't want to stretch this conversation any longer, but I'm a big fan of, well, I'm I'm a big not fan of uh, automatic promotions. I I hate the term automatically promotable or automatically promoted. It it just pisses me off. But you know, you talk about that. Uh, do you do, do you believe that first impressions matter from either the leader or the subordinate side? One hundred percent, man. 
100%. Why do you think that? Well, for example, we're walking up to the building today, and I saw you outside, and you said, oh, the first time I saw you, I said something about your hands being in your pocket. Mm-hmm. You remember that. I don't remember that. Yeah. So so right there, it just proves my point of how, on your question of how first impressions are important. So I believe that if a leader shows up to a formation and follows out of a run or can't hang with PT, he has automatically lost credibility to his formation. Mm-hmm. That may be your first day of seeing Sergeant Snuffy, who just PCSed, and he took 30 days of leave, and he flew 18 hours, and he's jet lagged. Nobody gives a damn. Yeah, nobody really cares. Only, buddy, uh, only thing anyone cares about, PFC Smith thinks about, man, he fell out of the run today. Yep. That sergeant has lost all credibility, right? Yeah. Or you show up and you look sloppy. You don't have your haircut. Your first day in the job, your uniform looks like trash, man. Your boots look like garbage. Doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean you are automatically squared away because you look good. Mm-hmm. But that, that's your instant credibility going in, man. And now you can expand the lodgement on that, right? Yeah. J- just think about it, right? If you knew you were having a brand new CSM coming next year, and this brand new CSM couldn't run in formation run with you, and he has a, walk, a permanent walk profile, even if you've never talked to him, what do you think automatically? Uh, I think he's a dirtbag. Why? He could maybe the best NCO, maybe master blaster, maybe a combat muster jump, combat stain. Mm-hmm. But that initial impression for you. Yeah. It's the, the first impression always counts. Right? And it's a, for, well, they say the first impression is the last impression, right? But something that I I, I, uh, I don't really like with the, with the first impressions is when you see someone and they're, they're full of uniform candy. Fucking, they got aerosol wings, senior rated jump master. They got a torch, they got a tab, they got a sapper tab, and you, and then you go to talk to that person, or you, you see that person working for maybe like I don't know a week, and you're like, damn, this dude is, this dude or, or this g- girl is a complete piece of shit. Yeah, uh, so there's a valid point, right? I mean, just because you're wearing a whole bunch of uh, of lickies and chewies in your uniform doesn't mean you're squared away, man, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't think the tab makes the person. The person makes the tab, man. Yeah. Right. Or or any any jump master, pathfinder, aerosol, Audie Murphy, whatever you are, you have to make that relevant. You have to make that value added, man. The problem is in our culture, we we make that the earmarks of success, right? Oh, if you want to be successful in this X unit, you'll be a jump master. Or if you want to be successful in X unit, you'll have a ranger tab. That's just their baseline entrance to success. Mm-hmm. Now, what you do after that, that's how it makes you a good leader, I think, man. So what do you believe is important to create a, uh, a solid base to an organization or to a unit? I mean, there has to be... I, I don't think there's one thing that makes a solid base, man, but I, I think you have to have some kind of approach where you know your people. Like... You can stay at the top all day long in your ivory tower in your building, but if you don't get out and go see the troops, if you don't go to the live fire rangers, you don't walk the Califexes, you don't do whatever your function is in the army or business, right? Same th- same thing as uh, Steve Jobs, right? He'd walk around Apple. He wants to know his people, wants to know his section, right? Now, he wasn't always nice as you read about him. He's an asshole, right? Yeah. But if, I, if you as a leader never go down to the motor pool bay, you don't go eat chow in the defac, you don't walk the barracks. If you don't do X, Y, and Z, go to Turkey and see your guys in Turkey. Oh, that, that was great. You know what I'm saying? And but, bring but, them dip. But if you don't see your dudes, 
right? And you don't know your guys, how can you have an organization? You have to know your team, man. Um, that doesn't mean you're going to know X, Y, and Z about Sean Snuffy, right? But leaders are present, and when leaders are present, you already had that base of trust, man. And then you have to expound upon that. You have to educate your formation. You have to know that you care about them. And uh, a lot of times take some sacrifice and you and your family's time um, for the betterment of the team. Hmm. Uh, when you think back over the course of the NCOs in your career and the NCOs that you look up to, who is someone that you respected the most and someone that, that, that standed out to you as a person? And you're like, I want to use, I want to follow this person. I, w- I want this person to mentor me. So I already talked about one, Sergeant Major Brian Hester. He's the arson CSM. Uh, but I'm going to talk about one more more recent, uh, Sergeant Major Jack Love. Uh, he is currently the West Point Command Sergeant Major. He's a three-star CSM. Um, so I, he was the division uh, CSM of 7th ID when I was his uh, first arm. And, uh, boy, tough as nails, man. I mean, I used to, guy used to scare the shit out of me. I mean, I mean... <laughs> Here I am as a first hour. I'm I'm at 42 months first hour time. This guy terrified me. I mean, but <laughs> but he always did the right thing, right? And so you know, it's, it's, I was charged with updating him on the staff and what was happening in division. And uh, one one of the NCOs, um, his wife was diagnosed with breast cancer, and uh, so I went up to his office. I hey, so I made her. This NCO said and such is going through. Uh, his wife's gonna start chemo. He's going through this, and he took time out of his office and division staff. A division in division headquarters to go in the staff office, let this NCO know, hey, I'm here for you, right? Let me know if there's anything I can do to help you and your family. You know, it really made a personal effort to reach out to him, right? A week later, outside, he blasts this NCO, man, just told him he's, he needs to fix this, fix X, Y, and Z. And I was like, damn, man, he's his wife's going through, you know, breast cancer treatment. And the NCO came off and said, Man, I feel so good right now. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about, man? He's like, you know, the division sergeant major held me to the same standard he holds everybody else to. He That's let good. me know he cared. He held me to the standard. And because of that, I know I'm not going to get special treatment. He's expecting me to do my job. Now it's up to me to communicate if I'm going through something rough. And that was powerful to me, man. I even think about it. I thought, what was me? He got his ass chewed. But what I didn't realize, he was shown that he cared for him by enforcing the same standards that he was enforcing everybody else, man. And that, that was just powerful. So, um, so I made a love, um, just a good NCO. I mean, he's, he's a, I think if you, he cut his finger, he'd bleed a second, man. He's just one of those guys, man. Um, <laughs> one of those. Uh, he's from Alabama. He will not stop saying roll tide every time you talk to him. So it's hard to take in that sometimes, man. But, uh, yeah, man, it, it's, uh, I want to be able to have him the integrity to do the right thing no matter what, man. And he, he does. Sometimes I waver my my convictions. It's hard, right? Um, and he, he also make the comment that the Army comes before his wife. Um, and I don't think he means it negatively, but he just means he loves the Army, man. Yeah. So good mentor, man. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. So uh, as a Sergeant Major and being on that level of leadership, it's, it's hard to pass a message to all your subordinates. If you could pass one message to one of them, to, to all of them like and they could take they would you, you're over there saying a whole bunch of stuff and you want them to just take one thing what would that one message be for the army or for myself from me for me yeah from you or whatever so I, I would like soldiers to know I genuinely care about them man mm-hmm. you know it's so many times we you know 
up here, seventh ADC, I see all the SIRs, man, all, all the serious incident reports, and there's so many suicide ideations, suicidal attempts, suicidal, you know, comments being made, and, and it breaks my heart, man. Because I would hope that every single one of those soldiers has a leader somewhere that cares about them. You know, um, I'm not perfect, and I, I have messed up before, and I've probably said some mean things as growing up as an NCO, but I genuinely care about the formation that I'm in, and I want to be value-added. And, and so I think a lot of times our soldiers don't think that nobody cares about them, right? They come from broken homes. They come from no matter where they come from, and there's things going on back home. And especially being here in Germany, it's gloomy out. We're locked down right now. We can't go anywhere. Somebody cares about you, man. You know, and I, I wish I could pass that message that your leaders care. Because so often, man, you see the morale page, people hating on people, making yeah. fun of people, right? <laughs> it's funny. So much funny. Oh, so much hilarious, man, right? Really funny. But sometimes soldiers get lost in the mix and they forget the leaders care about them. Yeah. I'm not going to say every leader does care about you because that's a lie, right? Some leaders learn about them, um, doing it just for what they want to do, their accomplishments. But there are leaders out there who care about their subordinates, man, and... You know, I, I just wish before it got to the bad, you know, to, to the point of return of taking your life or hurting yourself, you you knew who that was and you could reach out to that person, man. So um, if I was a private and I was struggling, man, it'd be great to hear that somebody cared about me, man. With that being said, j just talk to someone. If you're going through something hard right now, just, just reach out and talk to someone. If you want to reach out to the World's Greatest Leaders DM on Instagram, go ahead and reach out and we'll talk. All right. So... Moving on, uh, a lot of people talk about how the the role of the not of the non commissioned officer has changed, and that officers are are taking more responsibilities. What what are your thoughts on on that th on that, and um, what are your thoughts on the the role of a non commissioned officer? So I I would disagree with that thought, man. Um, and the reason I say that is when I came in, all my NCOs enforced with a haircut where my boots shined, to have a good-looking uniform on, right? And we're so much more than that. A Sergeant Major care about if you're in this fucking grass, man. Stop the madness. I walk out of this fucking damn grass around here, man. <laughs> you know, we're like, we're going to train in the fucking grass, we're going to do PT in the grass, and we're going to take care of the grass, right? We're going to mow it, right? Yeah. But the grass is to be used, man. And I don't want to be known as a Sergeant Major who all I gave a fuck about was the grass, bro. Or cared about fucking make sure the fucking halls were buffed and waxed. Get the fuck out of here, man. I'm not making coffee for anybody, man. Um, I think that NCOs get sidelined by officers because we're not competent. Or because we can't write a fucking paragraph. Or we can't brief well and talk. The, the, we sideline ourselves. You know, when you come into an organization, you know, you listen to what your commander wants you to do. And you take that intent and you run with it, man. Uh, I'm not saying that you don't ask permission, but there's things that are inherently our responsibility. Mm -hmm. The welfare of our soldiers, accomplishment of the mission, right? And, and then individual training is a non-commissioned officer's role and responsibility. When I was a platoon sergeant, my platoon leader didn't touch the fucking PT calendar, man. Get off, sir. It's not your focus. This is individual training, right? You know, when it comes down to sergeant's time training or whatever, when I was a first I'm like, sir, I've got it. And I, would, I started briefing my plan to the squadron commander during our training means, man, because I own that training. It was individual. Mm -hmm. um, so officers will take control and take ownership of things when we fail to do what we're supposed to do. 
I don't think because they want to be, they're inherently out to get us or take our jobs from us or they sideline us. But, you know, I can remember coming in the Army and seeing emails from senior enlisted uh, advisors and they, they couldn't spell. Yeah. They couldn't write correctly, right? And what kind of confidence does that put into you? If, if you're an officer and you have a master's degree and your right-hand man, your sergeant major can't even spell, yeah. what are you going to, what are you going to trust him with? It goes on all the way down to the lowest levels. I mean, I think everybody that's been in the army received the counseling from their team leader or their squad leader or, the, or whatever. The Copy and paste, dog, right? Copy and paste. Or if they tr- attempted to write, I'm good on them. They attempted to, to write it themselves, but the grammar is just out of control. And you're like, dude, oh my God. But, but, but that's an NCO problem. We're not yeah. developing our own. Shame on us, man. And, you know, two levels down. Who should be mentoring that young team leader? The platoon are, man. But what if that platoon sergeant doesn't have any education? Yeah. I'm not saying education makes you a great leader, but there's some things we have to be inherently able to be able to do, and that's read, write, and count, man, right? Um, and run. And run and do push-ups and pull-ups <laughs> and deadlifts. Yep. Yeah, it's a lot of things now, right? Um, and, uh, and look, I, I've been in officer-centric organizations. They exist. They're out there, man. One-on-one used to be a very officer-focused organization. But, but people who have a problem with that, I challenge somebody to read um, Staff Operations, FM for Staff Operations, and tell me about what it says about a SAR major. Hmm. Do you know what a SAR major is? That's all it is, is a special staff. General hmm. Nori here, his CSM is special staff by definition, by doctrine. Okay. We're not a commander. We never will be a commander, right? We don't have our intent. We don't have our goals or priorities. We have what? The commanders. Yep. So as long as it's not illegal, immoral, or unethical, the boss tells us to do something, we enforce it. Exactly. So so a lot of people are like, oh, they're officers. That's not our role. If you want to make change to be an officer, like we empower it and we, we mentor the young NCOs, but we are here to support that, right? So General Norrie has got... Sergeant Velez, he's got the chaplain and he's got the lawyer. Those are all his special staff. Now, Sergeant Velez is still the division CSM, right? And yeah. it's not like he's just some staff. Leader. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, man. He he has he has a lot of power, but I think that power comes with with his curriculum and with the power that that uh, General Nori gives to him. Nail on the head, man. Our NCO's power comes from the commander. Yeah, you, you told me you told uh, when I passed my promotion board, uh, you were the president and. You gather this around you like there's three things I care about is your uniform being squared away, the creed, and knowing the chain of command because the chain of command is, was who's what gives uh, us NCO authority. authority. Right. It's crazy, right? Yeah. But, but because at the end of the day, man, as impo- as important as I want to feel as a sergeant major, I work for a second lieutenant and I will salute him and stand position of attention, even if he's only been in the army for one year, man. He still outranks me. And we get so lost and we forget that. Now, I will hold, I'll, of course, correct Lieutenant Colonel all day long up in here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'll say, hey, sir, you might want to think about this. But at the end of the day, I know my place and every every single officer outranks me. So we, as, as NCOs, we have to be able to put that down to the side. And a lot of times we have to make impact in not direct approaches, but how do we, you know, massage the situation in indirect ways, man. Okay. Uh, do you think uh, what what changed in your leadership approach since from when you first became an NCO when you first became a sergeant to now 
that you're a sergeant major and you got all that time and experience? So my biggest change came as a sergeant first class, man. Um, I cared about my platoon, man. It was third platoon blue sheep, all right? That was, you know, that's who we were, man. You know, um, not black sheep, but blue sheep because we're third <laughs> platoon, man. And uh, I fought for my guys, man, nonstop. Like, you know, hey, you got this detail, this task. And, and I was like, that's bullshit, right? I'm, I'm tired of it, man. And like, like we were the go-getters, man. We were always getting it, man. And I fought so hard for my, my platoon. And one day the first sergeant pulled me aside and said, Sergeant Keeley, you're a great platoon sergeant. You take care of your soldiers. You're doing a good job, man. And uh, he said, but you're missing the bigger picture. You're winning the battles, but you're not winning the war. You're not helping the troop. And because you're not helping the troop, you're not helping the squadron. And it hit me hard, man. It hit, I mean, I, I was downrange in Iraq, man. I can remember the day clear. Um, and uh I, I got a negative counseling statement that day from the commander, man. I, no shit, man. I was like, I, I, I am the best platoon sergeant. I think I am the best platoon sergeant in this, this, this entire squadron, man. And because I cared about so much about my platoon internally, uh, I was missing the bigger picture, man. And I swore if I ever got promoted again, I would want to make the team good and not my, not my guys good, man. Mm-hmm. So I was that first sergeant, man? All right, hey, I need, I need this detail. We got it. Hey, no, no, there's a fair balance. It wasn't always whoring my guys out either. You know what I'm saying, man? Yeah. But it was... Give, giving your, your your share. You want to solve your boss's, boss's problems, right? Yeah. So I knew by taking care of this, my commander was being set for success because I was answering the, his boss's mail, man, right? And at the end of the day, it's ma- it made the bigger unit look better, man. You know, as the, as, as the ops are made in 191 or whatever, I'm going to do more than I have to to make us look good and make the team look good, right? Um, so I, I think telling the young leader, young team leaders, it's cool to be top gun in your crew. It's cool to be the top squad, the top team, whatever you are, man. Right. But how do you contribute to make the, the bigger group better, man? That's how a real leader is, man. Making impacts, um, beyond your chain of command. That's a, that's someone I want, man. I want someone who can move mountains, man. Not just, yeah. not just making your team successful, but how do you make, because your team is so good, how are you making your platoon better, man? That, that's the kind of leaders we need, dude. Yeah. Like, I mean, I got low comments on that because you literally hit every single thing. Like it, it's, it's just good. Uh, so what do you expect from the subordinate leaders that that work with you, like at every level from your from – let's say you're, you're, you're about to be the squadron sergeant major. Mm-hmm. What do you expect from your team leaders, from your section leaders, platoon sergeants, and – Oh, I think we talked about first, right? Honesty, right? Number yeah. one is honesty. Man, look, we can work past everything else as long as you're honest, man. You got a low crappy PT score, we can work through that. You can't read and write, we can get you GT, we get you fast class, we can improve that, right? You can't shoot the broad side of a barn, we, we can work on that, right? But I can't work on integrity, man. Mm-hmm. If you're not telling the truth, you're not treating those around you with uh, honor and compassion, I can't work with that, man. So I think I think you know, for, yeah, lay the lay the foundation of being, just being a good person, having integrity, man. Um, second, man, we're in the business of killing, right? The army is to fight the nation's wars, not not to keep peace, not the Red Cross, not handing out snacks, man. And because of that we have to be physically fit, man. I made a comment earlier. You don't have to necessarily go out and um, be the best in your formation. But you, you have to go hard, man. Like, combat's not easy, man. Right? Um, 
it's not the easiest thing in the world, right? And so if we're not being physically fit every single day in PT and doing our best when we have that time, the hour, hour and a half that's given to us, we're, we're missing the mark, man. Uh, and I, I think, you know, I tell myself every day I want to be value-added. So, so I would tell my subordinates, how are you being value-added today? Right? If you, did you do one, you do an extra barracks check? Did you make sure the 598s were updated? Did you make sure Joe Stumpy's getting paid on time? Did you make sure he's talked to his family? How are you being value-added? And that goes for every echelon, man. That's from private to the most senior general officer to whoever, man. How are we being value-added for your team, your your platoon, your troop, your company, to your fucking squadron, to your fucking brigade? How are you being value-added, man? If everyone did their part and did just a little more every day, how good would we be, man? Yeah. You wouldn't have to be cut. You wouldn't pick up some of slack, man. If everyone was value-added, we wouldn't have to be covering down people who aren't doing their share, man. That's good. I agree with that 100%. I I always save this question to, to last. It's probably one of my favorite questions just because most, like, everybody that asks on the podcast and ask me this question, a lot of them, like, can't come up with an answer. I don't know. Some of them just think that it doesn't really apply to them because they had it easier or whatever. But what was the toughest day in your career? March 25th, 2007. Uh, Sergeant Jason Swiger and some other guys were uh, killed by a roadside bomb. Well, actually, a uh, suicide bomber, man. Um, so my second deployment in 573. Um, and I'll, I'll get to you in a minute why this struck me even harder than other casualties did, man. Um, but we had set perimeter. Uh, we had Alvar uh, Dukes on, who's jamming, so no one could blow up the ID where it was. Mm-hmm. Local national Iraqi, we were we weren't letting cars through, but we were letting um, pedestrians through. Or f- we'd we'd pat them down, we'd let them through through our AO. To the what rank were you at the time? A staff sergeant. Mm-hmm. Were you a platoon sergeant or no, section leader? No, uh, section leader, man. Okay. Um, and uh, first platoon, Alpha Troop five seven three, man. And uh, so our platoon had the uh, northwest, um, white platoon had the northeast, and then. Um, the mortars had the south. And in the middle was the, um, the troop commander, the first sergeant. Uh, and then back then, we used to have a, um, it's like a maintenance contact team, man, um, mm-hmm. CRT. So the me- mechanics had a Humvee there too, man. And they're in the middle. And we were just waiting. We were holding down here for the night. We are going to move out the next morning, man. And uh, all of a sudden, myself and the platoon sergeant were trying to get some local national to make us some bread because we are fucking starving, man. <laughs> That's what it was down to, man. I mean, the times are rough, bro. Um, and I heard this loud explosion, and I turned around, and I see Staff Sergeant Smith, who's the maintenance uh, sergeant. Um, and there, there was this, like, this old rebarb and concrete bus stop, man. Um, got blown up. It just rubble was laying everywhere. And I, I thought an RPG had been fired at us, man. And I looked around, and Smith's like, Healy, come help. And he's just bawling, right? So um, the gunners were up. We had a 360 security, and we, we run over there. And we realized that the local national we've gone through had a key fob in his pocket, and he got directly line of sight. He killed himself to the IED and pushed it as soon as he could. Get, the, the Duke couldn't jam it, man. Uh, there was ball bearings. There was homemade explosive in it underneath this little bus station. Well, Sergeant Swagger and some other guys were there um, smoking cigarettes. Um, just joking and fucking smoking, man. You know, the security's up um, instead of smoking. Um, 
So killed instantly, several of them, two guys were still trapped underneath it, man. Um, and so I remember us trying to pick up this concrete with rebar in it and, you know, two things, man. We we're trying to pick up this, 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 I can't explain to you how heavy this thing was, man. And there's like five of us, my turp was next to me and we we're all fucking bawling, man. We're hearing the screams of two of our guys who are still alive trapped underneath it. Um, there's some pain, like you just hear them screaming and they're in pain. Um, a platoon sergeant, um, service class Mitch Gonzalez got him retired, but he, he, he had a Maddox handle with fucking, um, a sledgehammer, man. And he's trying to break the fucking concrete so we can get in the sections off these guys, man. It's just so fucking heavy, man. Finally, we were able to get a Humvee around with a ratchet strap, hook it to the concrete, and we're able to pick it up enough and they could drag it off him, man. Okay. Um, so, so, you know, the two guys, um, they're pretty fucked up, but we, the, PA was there on site fast, man. Um, stabilized them. We got them out with birds, man. But we're going to pick up the dead guys, man. And uh, Sergeant Jason Swiger, um, his face was caved in. I couldn't recognize his face. It was just deformed, man. I go to pick up his body, put in a body bag, and his arm, his ta- his uh, sleeves came up, and he had ink, uh, ink on all both forms, man, full sleeves. Mm-hmm. And that's how I noticed who it was, man. That's how I knew who he was. Uh, obviously putting any U.S. friends or buddies in a body bag is fucking terrible, man. Yeah. Right? Putting anybody that's not the fucking enemy in a body bag is terrible. Yeah, man. Why if, why that day, uh, March 25th, 2007, um, why it's so terrible is I had fired him as my team leader a month and a half before that, man. I didn't have the ability or the competence of the staffs aren't to mentor a young, frustrated Sergeant 5 who could not see eye to eye with the platoon sergeant. Um, I went to the platoon sergeant one day in a minute of frustration, like, get get rid of this motherfucker. Get get rid of him. I, I cannot deal with him anymore. And in his defense, he was wiry, man. I mean, he would go off. He's fucking from Portland, man. That's where his mom lived. I mean, it, but, you know, he was just, when he got mad, he got fucking hot, bro, right? And then he was just, you know, I, I could not mentor and be the leader I needed him to be. And I blame myself for him dying because maybe he wouldn't have been the headquarters platoon. Maybe he would have still been in our platoon and he wouldn't have been in the situation when that happened, man. Mm. Um, so I carry two things from that day with me. Um, can't ever give up on somebody, right? You, you know, you got to develop them. Now, moving them to a different location, that's different than giving up, right? Because there's times when you need developmental assignments, you need a change in pace, change in scenery, something different, right? That's different than giving up on somebody. In my opinion. Uh, and secondly, I remember how heavy that fucking rebar on concrete was, man, where the guys were trapped under. And there's all of us were using every bit of muscle we had to pick it off of them. And that's one of the reasons I think PT is so premium and so important in our life. And, our, and, and that's what we're asked to do every day, man. If you don't have that line of fitness, man, to be a fucking warrior, someone may die, man. Mm-hmm. Right? And so luckily we had enough strength among us, you know. All American fucking a second fucking room bray ass kicking motherfuckers, you know we were all fit man. We got that off, man. But like, what if you know? No offense, but you're some National Guard Reserve unit who didn't have that baseline of fitness. Or if those those mechanics that were with you just think, oh, I'm not a combat boy, so I'm not going to do PT. Right. And those mechanics, because they were fit also, their body took a better a beating. Maybe someone else couldn't have. Man, I don't know. You yeah. know what I mean? Um. So you know you. you 
tough day, man. This shit fucked me up. The day after my wife's birthday, too. My wife's birthday is March 24th, so it sticks in my head like, yeah. like no one's... It's easy to remember the day. Yep. Um, and I, I wish I could recall every single day I lost a friend downrange or lost someone I worked with. I can't. Um, but yeah, man. And so that, that's, that's from my inside, man. That, that's shit I carry around with me. Um, and, you know, I, I sleep okay at night, and I, I got to do better, right? Mm-hmm. I... I as a young staff, I got promoted way too early to staff sergeant, man. I had too much responsibility. Back then, all I wanted to do was get promoted. Get promoted, get promoted, get promoted. And I realized, man, I, I was not ready to be a section leader, man. And my inability to do him, maybe it would have, maybe. I don't know. I can't rewrite history, man. But I quit, you know, I'm trying to mentor a young NCO. I don't want to ever try to quit NCO now. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's some tough shit right there, man. Uh, I'm really sorry about all that. But... We're getting getting to our last question. Uh, it's my favorite question. That's why I saved it for last. But what's something? So uh, let's start with. I targeted this podcast to people, to leaders, to young leaders, to senior leaders, whoever that is struggling right now to 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 accomplish something, accomplish an objective or whatever the case is. What is something that that you or a message or a story that you can you can uh, share to the listeners? that can help them just realize that whatever they're they're facing right now is just a wall and you, they need to figure figure out the way to get across it and just something that's just to to kind of like just keep pushing them and motivate them yeah man so you know i think every single person in life no matter what you're going through what your station in life is what you do whether it's the military working in a fortune 500 company man we're all going to face trials and tribulations, right? We're all going to go through something that's, fuck, this is hard, man. Um, and, you know, I'm guilty as charged, but how often, brother, did you look at something like, fuck, and that's all you see at the time, right? We don't see past that shit, man. We get so seemingly little focus on something. And, and, you know, it's taken me a long time to step back like, this is not permanent. This is not something that's just, um, it's just one bump in the road, man, right? It's, the, you know, the ebbs and flows of things. So I think knowing as a, a first arm man, I was a first arm for 47 months, uh, and I was tired, man. I was so, I was so, I, I was so tired. Like, and uh, after um, getting to an altercation with a, um, a disagreement with a lieutenant colonel and squad, uh, division staff, I went to my senior raider and said, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I, I, I had pulled over driving home. I was in tears. I was just so angry. Uh, somebody told me, hey, I'm not going to do this, man. And I wrote my senior writer, a full bird colonel, he's division chief of staff, and said, I'm tapping out. I I need it for my own sake, right? I was at the 42-month mark this time. And uh, he came back and said, hey, we need it for five more months. And I was so angry, so singular-focused that I didn't get switched out. I didn't get replaced because, I mean, I was tired, man. I've been going hard in the paint, you know, 42 months at the time. I had a, an intent company, HHT, and then Division. And uh, I was bitter for a little bit, right? And the day I switched out, handed off the, uh, passed the guide on for the company, and I took the diamond off, right? And that's why I say diamonds aren't forever, man, because it always comes off. I went to lunch with my family. And immediately I started a four-day, man. My phone didn't ring for four days. 
I didn't have any emails. The world stopped, man. <laughs> and it was eerie. And I, and I looked at my wife. I said, I was being a bitch. Was it that bad? I'm fine now. I'm good now, right? But I was so singly focused on the trials and tribulations I was going through at the time that I didn't realize that it's not forever. No matter what we're going through, it's not forever, man. So if you're having a hard time getting your gunnery skills down, you're having a hard time coach, teacher, mentoring your team to do X, Y, and Z, if you're having a hard time mentoring your new young lieutenant or your young company troop commander, man, it's not forever. If your boss you have over you don't like, it's not forever. And so I think a lot of times we have to learn to develop perspective, man. Someone always has it way worse than us, right? Someone always got worse than us, right? And people you think have it better than you, what's their side of the story? Because I bet if you talk to them, they've got bitches, gripes, and comments too, man. Mm-hmm. So perspective, man. I, I think no matter where you are, we got to have perspective, man. When I was notified five weeks, six weeks ago, that I was coming up to 7th ADC, I was fucking hot, man. <laughs> I was hot too. Like, what? I, no I, way. I, I got pulled into Colonel Brown's office, and they asked me to sit down. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, I thought I was in trouble. I thought I said something that offended somebody, man. And uh, they said, hey, you're going to the division to be the G3 officer reader. I'm like, my exact words, Colonel Brown, were, you're fuck with me, right? <laughs> and he said, I'm serious. And I looked at him in the eyes, and I said, you're fuck with me. There was no sir. There was no... That's why I asked him. That's he, he said, no, we just got informed. Now, I was caught off guard. I wasn't ready to be told that. Nobody saw it coming, right? So, Amir Velez, I talked to him later that night, and he said, you mad at me? Oh, he's the one that chose you? He chose me, yeah. <laughs> and he said, you mad at me? And I said, no, Sergeant Major, I'm not. Because I, at this point in my life, I had enough perspective to know if you're pulling me out of here to go up there, it means you need me up here. Mm-hmm. It comes, with, it comes with time, comes with maturity, it comes with development. But I had some perspective like, woe is me, it is not me. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself because I had to take out my membrane. The army is telling me you need me up here, right? And, and so I, I just encourage everyone to try to get some perspective, to try to think about things. Things aren't forever. Things will improve. And that greener grass there isn't always as green as you think it is, man, right? So... Uh, I just encourage you, your future soldiers, man, to uh, kind of develop some of that uh, larger picture, man. Hey, what's going on on my left and right? That's good. That's some deep stuff right there. I mean, I, I, coming out to the end of the show, unfortunately, I, I really enjoyed talking to you, Sergeant Major, and I really appreciate you coming on and sharing some stories with us and just, just telling us on how can we become uh, better leaders. And I'm sure everybody that's listening right now, they're they're, they're pretty excited to, whoever's about to listen is pretty excited to, to see you because you're loved all the way in 191. Everybody, everybody was like, what, Sergeant Major's kid is gone? I mean, I, I, I love my, I love my alert homeboys, man. They're, they're... I, I remember I was at a, a BLC graduation. I saw you walking in and I'm like, oh, Sergeant Major Kelly's there. And they're like, oh, we got everybody put their, it's, it's indoor ceremony with outdoor. Uh, Honors, man. Outdoor yeah. stuff. And. I saw you put on a PC. I'm like, what? No, why does he have a PC on? I'm like, damn, that's crazy. Yes, uh, us in the Airborne, we absolutely hate PCs. 
But you know, you can wear sunglasses to PCs, bro. Yeah, so you right. I'd tell you what, right. you know what I mean? Sun's at my eyes, man. Yeah. Well, we wear sunglasses in the motor pool with yeah, no headgear. That's true. That's true. And on IMC. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, that's the end of the show. I would be pissed you coming on Star Major and just, just talking to us. It's, it's been, it's been uh, fun. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, I really appreciate the opportunity, man. Um, you know, just a little plug to the NCOs out there. Um, don't be satisfied. And you got to hit the books. You got to educate yourself what the military is doing. Educate yourself in NCO Corps. And you got to get some civilian education, man. Um Close the the gap between us and the officer corps. Don't let this thing separating you is him having a degree and you not having a degree. All right. So earn, earn your associates. Once you get that, earn your bachelor's. Once you get that, get a master's, man. Um, I got my master's last year, so no officer can say oh, I'm smarter. Unless he's got a fucking doctorate, he is smarter than me. <laughs> that's whatever, right? But as NCO, is continue yeah. to improve yourself and educate yourself, man. That, that's how we close the gap. All right. Well, this is the world's greatest leaders podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, I'll see you guys in the next episode.